Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Growing in Grace. I'm Joel Brzezinski, Mike Kapler along with me, the Breeze Man and the Cap, getting together for our weekly casual discussion on the grace of God. Cap, I hope you're doing well this week. We've been talking about some really, really cool things, some really hopefully freeing things for people, talking about how we've been released from the shame and the guilt and the, and the sin that uh, sometimes we tend to carry around. We've got some more thoughts on that, and and uh, we'll, we'll see what Cap's brain has to say and what the Breeze Man's brain has to say about all this. And really, actually, we'll try to speak from our hearts. Because <laughs> sometimes our <laughs> brains be are a little more messed up. <laughs> It's going to be a short program, and we're just going off the brain here. Yeah, it's funny what a little miscue can, or a little uh, misfire in the brain can do. <laughs> Cap, you said something last time that uh, sparked some thoughts in me about how, you know, many people probably, you know, we all deal with junk in life. We all deal with stuff from the past, with, with the things that we've done. And even as Christians, perhaps, we've found that we've developed new habits that we think, where did that come from? I mean, if I'm in Christ, why in the world am I doing the stuff that I'm doing? Yeah, you know, I think people can relate to that, and, and some in more ways than others. But, you know, Paul certainly dealt with that. He he, he knew what that was all about. I mean, he talked in, in Galatians. You know, he talked about how the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these things are contrary to each other. That is the flesh and the spirit, the lusts of the spirit and the lust of the flesh. They're contrary to each other so that you do not do the things that you wish. You know, in other words, you really do, as a Christian with your new nature, you really do want to do good things. You want to walk according to the Spirit. I mean, you want to walk trusting God, you want to avoid evil, and you want to do what's right. That's because that's your nature, that's who you are. But there is this thing in you called the flesh. Every, everybody deals with this, this thing called the flesh. But the thing to remember is that, yes, indeed, the flesh has its own kind of source of power, so to speak. I mean, it has its own pull. Uh, but the Spirit, you know, I think we give so much credit to the flesh for pulling us away and keeping us in in some habits that we don't want to be in and the flesh certainly can do that but we give far more credit to that rather than realizing and focusing on the fact that the spirit is far more powerful far more stronger uh than than the flesh and so you know, Paul says, and so I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, how do I do that? How do we do that? Well, all I can say is, when you find yourself sinning, or when you find yourself doing what is right, keep your focus on the Spirit. It's always got to be a focus on the Spirit, and knowing that through Christ I can do all things, and all things are possible with God, rather than keeping this focus on the pull of the flesh. Because that flesh is always going to have that pull in one way or another, but uh, keep the focus on the Spirit, who is definitely able to help us overcome. Yeah, that, that's good stuff, Joel. I'm glad you, you you brought some of that up. And and it, and it still, you know, it comes back to, to the cross, and... Mm-hmm. and 
even before the cross, um, God prophesied in, in Isaiah some things about the cross and, and the sufferings that, that Jesus would have to go through for for our freedom, uh, so that we could so that we could walk free from the penalty uh, of sin. And um, you know, in Isaiah fifty three, uh, the familiar passage, by His stripes or with His stripes we are healed. Literally, that, that word stripe means bruises, uh, to be bruised. It's a wound. It's not just the stripes that the Roman soldiers put on him, because the Bible says that it pleased God to bruise him. It pleased God to do that. I just think sometimes we, we, we forget so easily the price that was paid, that Jesus suffered. Now listen, Jesus suffered every penalty sin would ever deserve for all of mankind for all time past, present, and future. You know, the curse of the law, we've been freed from that. For God to pour out any part of the curse of the law on us today would be a denial of the cross of Christ. Mm-hmm. It, it's a finished work. And I just think sometimes we we get our eyes on that flesh that you were talking about, Joel, and, and we forget about the price that was paid. Yeah. You know, it's it's not quite the same as what uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about when he's talking about trampling on the blood of Jesus. Uh, because in in that case, and I'm saying this to make a contrast on purpose, you know, in that case the writer of Hebrews was talking about people who who deny outrightly, who outrightly deny the blood of Jesus and instead go back to sacrifices and self-effort in order to be saved. But yet, as even as a Christian, if, if we get our eyes off of the truth of, of the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus, and if we get our eyes off of the truth of, of all that it has accomplished, indeed, it's taken away the entire penalty, the entire penalty of sin was taken away. The eternal consequences of sin and shame and guilt, condemnation, all of that has been taken away completely and sufficiently by the blood of Jesus. And if we... If we get our eyes off of that truth, we as Christians, we remain saved. We remain one spirit with God, and that's a reality. We remain a new creation, totally, completely righteous and holy, no matter what we do or what we think. We remain in that state. But, of course, it can affect the way that we live and and the way that we think and we might feel guilt and shame and condemnation when we get our eyes off of the reality of what the blood of Jesus has accomplished. So you're right, Cap. It goes completely back to the cross. It goes completely back to everything that was completed in his work. Everything goes back to that. And if we get our eyes off of that truth, then we're bound to go astray in our in our thinking, <laughs> in our minds. And so maybe that calls for some repentance on our part. And by that, I mean rethinking uh, a reconfiguration in our mind of of the truth of what was all accomplished at the cross yeah kind of staying focused here on 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 that accomplishment of the cross james richards tells the story uh, of a parent who comes home and discovers that there were some uncompleted chores from his two children and uh, also discovers that a valuable vase was broken like a priceless vase and so the disappointment from this parent it, it kind of boiled over. Their anger was overflowing. Uh, they called both of the kids into the room and began to question them both very carefully and discovered which child not only failed to do his work, his chores, but to the parent's amazement, even carelessly broke that valuable vase. And so it would seem that the punishment would be pretty simple, pretty cut and dried here. You, you punish the child 
who did the wrong thing. But there's a problem. The one that you don't want to punish is the one who deserves it. Because it turns out, the, the guilty child here, he was rather frail, had problems in life, and was unable to bear the pain of the consequences for his mistakes. Um, and so you as the parent, with this incredible passion and mercy for this child, it kind of prevents you from giving him what the child deserves. Yet there is still the issue of punishment. So at this point, the faithful, innocent child, the other one, the second one, he says, uh, Father, Mother, let, let me pay for the vase. So now you're laying all the responsibility on him, even though he did nothing wrong. And James Richards goes on to say, this is exactly what God did in Jesus Christ. He knew that us, mankind, uh, the guilty party, if you will, that we could not pay the price. He created us to be loved, not to be punished. Boy, that's a powerful statement from James Richards. He created us, mankind, to be loved, not to be punished. And so he allowed Jesus, the innocent son, to pay the full price for our transgressions. And shame and guilt, condemnation, these things should no longer be a part of your life in any way. Mm-hmm. That's the truth, and that is a that is a very powerful statement that we were created to be loved, not punished. We can't take the punishment that would be deserved for having fallen short of the glory of God. We can't take it. The only thing that can happen to us, even if, you know, if God measured out that punishment to us, if he did it to each one of us individually, we'd all die. We'd all be dead. There'd be nobody left. No human being would ever be left, but indeed we were. He created us to love us, and uh, that's actually part of the sacrifice of Christ. That in His love for us, even in our frailty, even in our weakness, even in our sin, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us because He was able to take it. And in fact, He took it. You know, went on the cross, shed His blood, and and He died, and then. Three days later, he rose again from the dead because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And God was in that completely. It was all of God. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three being one, were all in this. We're all in uh, the whole act of, of what saved us. It was all God and none of us. There was nothing that we could do. And so that's another thing to you know, continuously keep our minds and hearts set on, is the fact that the whole idea of the cross, the whole truth, the whole reality of our sin being taken away, and, uh, and, and of us remaining in God's love, knowing that he loved us, and everything, everything hinges on God and not on us. And so the minute we take our eyes off of God and what he has done, his completed work, then we start to walk in in that guilt and condemnation that is is no longer meant to be ours at all. Yeah, and there will be those out there, Joel, who would say, ah, but, you know, we're supposed to live righteously. Look, I don't live at all. I die. right on. It's his life in me. And, yes, I am righteous through birth, through the new birth. It's a gift, the gift of righteousness. I, along with... Every other believer, now right with God. That's really what people want to know. There's people walking around day in and day out today wondering, am I right with God? What do I have to do to get right with God? When all Jesus said, well, all you have to do is believe. And then this righteous nature that now resides in me, I can rest in what Jesus Christ did for me at the cross. And I can just allow this new life that's in me to flow through me, trust in him, 
rest in him, my doing, my attempts to do what is right ended uh, quite some time ago once I discovered that uh, my doing wasn't going to get me anywhere. That was just putting me on a treadmill to no place. <laughs> and so, But there is good news. I can rest in him and his life flowing through me. It's his righteousness, though. I think we've got to be careful when somebody says, we need to live righteously. Well, I, I know where they're coming from, and that's cool, but got to be careful about that because that usually turns into something the Pharisees had, and that's called self-righteousness. Yeah, and uh, to uh, quote uh, for Paul Anderson Walsh's paraphrase of uh, a verse from Galatians 2, the life that I live in the body, I don't. And so you're right. It's It's no longer I who live. The life that I live in the body, I don't. It's not me. It's not my life. And so I need to quit taking credit for the times when I do good, and I need to quit this stupid guilt and condemnation when I don't do right, uh, because that's not me. That's the flesh. (laughs) And, And so get my focus on the real thing, the real life of Jesus Christ, who now is my life. And, and this brings up something else, Cap, as well. If, indeed, we've died with Christ and we've been risen again with him and we're resting in him, what is our motivation, then, for doing the things that we do? Doesn't rest and being motivated to do something kind of contradict each other? Don't those things kind of contradict each other? We'll talk about that next week right here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various Internet sources around the world each week. Access hundreds of past programs. Visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.